Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Alex Padilla and Jason Gould from the original Noonfiz on Navigation coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined this week by my co-host, the proprietor of SwankyMaven.com, Felice Sloan. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, 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 hey. I want to give you a little sophisticated hey, 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 since you changed my introduction a little bit. Well, you're, you're changing up a little bit what, what you do, how you present yourself online. Yeah, we're so, going to be working. It's, it's the same but different, so you guys will see it beginning of April. Right. You've been more assertive in promoting yourself as the swanky maven. Right. And, you know, it's not, it's not, there's no, there's no drama with you and Right. Urban, Urban Swank is not going away. It's It'll just, just changing. It's just changing, right? It'll be Urban Swank and then it'll direct... You know, for all things lifestyle, Swinky Maven, and then travel, it'll be Shanna. So Right, going, going somewhere, somewhere soon. soon. Yeah. Correct. But then we'll do, we'll still have the social part of it and a lot of projects that we have going on as Urban Swank will continue. Right, and I just saw both of you together doing your thing at the Radio Houston Best Bites competition. Yeah, we got to put some swank on the stank, you know, put a little swank, Urban Swank stank on it. All right. So with that, let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Messina Hoff, the Texas winery, has big plans for the Houston area. Uh, We were just out at Harvest Green for Chef Fest this weekend. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but they're going to open a massive new facility uh, as part of that housing development with a a winery, a production facility, a warehouse that's going to handle all of their shipping because obviously... Houston is much closer to transportation hubs than Brenham is. A uh, 130-seat restaurant, a covered patio, and then kind of long-term plans for an event space that will hold about 300 people. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of different angles to cover, but are you a Messina Hoff drinker? I am, and I'm a fan, I'm a fan of the families. And um, I'm actually surprised that it's taken this long. For them to do something big in Houston. Like um, we've gone down there for Harvest several times. And they're always hinting about different things that they've been working on. So I don't know if this has been in the works for a while. Like years ago with some other development. Well, no. I They've had their eye on Harvest Green for at least a year. Because it was sort of quietly buzzed at the last Chef Fest. That there might be an announcement. Uh, yeah. And. I, I think I think that's very germane because they have similar facilities in Bryan right. and in Grapevine and in Fredericksburg. So if you sort of think of them, well, Bryan is its own thing, but if you think of you know Grapevine kind of covering Dallas and Fredericksburg kind of covering right. Austin, San Antonio, then this has been a long time coming right. uh, that Houston gets a little love. I think you know I I think I'm going to have to do a show about. Texas wine specifically, because I don't feel as educated about kind of how it fits in with, you know, the best of California or what's coming over from Europe. Correct. But I do get the sense that Texas wine is on the way up and that there are, there, there's sort of the, the Messina Hoff that you can buy in grocery stores and wine shops. And then there's the vintages that they reserve for their various properties. And I think you know, there's. I've heard from some people that maybe some of that stuff is is more compelling and maybe not talked about as much just because you have to go there to get it. Right, which would make sense because when you're there and they do the dinners, it's definitely they have wines that you would only be able to get there. So it makes sense to. It's an active, you know, it's an active winery. They want people to come. They want to do the experience, and also they're very big on their positioning of promoting. Um, and being responsible with promoting Texas wines. Yeah, and that interactive element, I mean, they're going to have about five acres of grapes, 
So they're going to make about 5,000 gallons of wine a year there, which sounds like a pretty decent amount of wine to me. And that 130-seat restaurant and that Harvest Green housing development has its own farm, and then it's right next to where Loma Agronomics does all of their farming. So the ability to utilize that kind of very local produce at the restaurant is going to obviously make the quality of the food even better. Right. And it's really like it's smart. Like as we said, we'll get into it when we get into the chef fest aspect. But you you have that whole built in in the community um, getting back to it. Right now, we assume everyone's, you know, local. You know, they do local sourcing. Those are questions people ask. You're sourcing, you're, um, sourcing locally, right? Something. So now it's kind of like next level. We're doing some things that mm. we see other areas doing with what Messina Hoff is doing. Right. So for anyone who went to Chef Fest, there was a big kind of plowed out patch of dirt next to the VIP parking area, right next to the entrance of Chef Fest that patch of dirt is where the winery is going to be. So it's right there on Harlem Road, right at the intersection of West Airport, right inside of the Grand Parkway. And it's going to be, I mean, you know, this is this is kind of early 2020 is kind of where they're looking in terms of a timeline. But it's going to be a pretty impressive facility when it opens. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. And then, you know, that's that's kind of my hood. So anything that's outside the loop, you inner looper snobs. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm excited. Just like y'all get excited. I'm excited for the 99 explosion. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> All right. Topic number two. Speaking of wine news, Master Sommelier June Rodil is leaving Austin's Mormon McGuire Mormon Hospitality Group. To join Goodnight Hospitality, that's the company behind Goodnight Charlie's, but they have they have three projects upcoming, Montrose Cheese and Wine, Rosie Cannonball, and March. Now we had Adam Garcia and Felipe Riccio from the chefs behind Rosie Cannonball and March on the show pretty recently uh, to talk about kind of what's going on with that. And then obviously Goodnight Hospitality was founded by David Keck, another master sommelier. That's how June becomes on board because they've been friends for several years now. They've worked together on the TechSum event. And I, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to overstate what a significant development this is. In in, in talking to you know, McGuire Mormon is a is a very prominent Austin hospitality group. They have Jeffries and Perla's and, and a whole bunch of other 10 mm-hmm. restaurants in Austin. Uh, that are very good, by the way. They're, they're very good. Right. June, June is a partner in a restaurant called June's All Day under that umbrella. Yes. And she will, and that, that restaurant has gotten a ton of attention. She'll maintain that partnership. Okay. Uh, I compared it to what it would be like locally if Sean Beck left uh, working for Tracy Vaught and Hugo Ortega. That's a good... That's a good take. Yeah, because locally, uh, like wine people know her and people that kind of um, I've heard her because, like you said, I go to Austin and those restaurants and then I've gone to June's. Yeah. So tell us about June's because, I I mean, not that it's directly germane on what she'll be doing for um, Good Night, but I think it gets to a certain aesthetic and kind of a perspective. Yeah. And it's really, you know what, it's. I'm trying to think what I would compare it to because it's really small but very um, high-end where you think of experience, very experience-driven, um, personalized service. We went there um, one weekend. was kind of busy. We, had, um, we didn't have reservations. We had to wait. But that's what made me excited because I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Now, um, I think what she's going to be able to bring – to that, well, I don't know. I don't know what she's going to, be able to bring as far as what their big. I don't know her personality. Does well, that make sense? right. I mean, well, she. I mean, having met her briefly, I would describe her as as pretty outgoing. She's very well thought of in the wine world, right? And she brings a lot of operational experience, right? Helping that group manage all of those different restaurant concepts, you know. And as Goodnight prepares to quadruple the number of properties it's running, even though they're all 
physically very close together, they're all going to have their different needs. And she brings a lot of experience um, helping get good restaurants off the ground. Right. Well, so if that's, if we use her spot and what she's done with the, if her role in the others, other restaurants in her former life, it makes sense. Right. Because it's her restaurant. Well, all machine, like it's just kind of seamless. Right. Yeah. So I, I think this will be really, this is, and this is another sign that, that goodnight hospitality is not messed around. You know, the March is going to be this like very uh, fine dining, very pristine kind of experience. Uh, Rosie cannonball, you know, pizza, pasta, wood burning oven. Uh, very cool. Yeah. Very much up my alley. <laughs> I mean, it's somewhere like in, in, in my sort of mental conception. Uh, not that, not that I think the chefs would be very happy with this characterization, but uh, you know, somewhere between polys and provisions right. is kind of how I'm thinking of it. And then we'll see what it's like when it actually opens. Oh, but but right. until then, that's how I'm thinking about it. Uh, and then Montrose Cheese and Wine. I mean, obviously, she and David will work together on yeah. on buying the wine and, and setting the wine list for all these various properties. But but she brings so much more to the table right. than just wine knowledge. And, you know, you'll, you know, starting April 1st, roughly, you'll see her at they're well at good night at good night charlie's to start and then as these other concepts open you'll see her there too. and then she's a female I, i'm always about you know girl power because we need more in the industry all the way across so there you go yeah not a lot of prominent asian females working in restaurants right like a lot of our local influencers that's their that's a that's a very well represented demographic mm-hmm. but in terms of you know working in restaurants you know i I don't know if I start calling people out, like it's going to seem I'm going to leave someone out. And I'm going to get myself in trouble. But right, so but, we just, but, just leave it general, right? But, well, but but like I know exactly you're right. But it's, there's not that true. many, right? It's like not. if there's so, um, so we can always we can always have more of that, and and that she's getting an opportunity to come in as a as a partner in Goodnight Hospitality, and and build a legacy here in Houston. You know, it's a it's a big move. It's a it's a significant loss for. Uh, McGuire Mormon, but you know, I think at the end of the day, the opportunity to work with David and to build something here uh, was too good to resist. Right, I agree. All right, and then I had topic number three. I had John Peterson on the show to talk about the rice box, but we haven't done the the front half of the show talk about the rice box opening in River Oaks. Well, let's just let's just have a moment of silence. Because when Eric broke this, all I could think was, I'm like, Eric is probably crying. He's so excited. Um, I mean, wow, you usually throw it to me. I'm going to take over your show for a moment. Eric, so how do you feel about that? Well, let me, let me start by saying I always joke about what's the worst kept secret in Houston food. Uh, that the rice box was opening next to uh, uh, Backstreet Cafe was the worst kept secret in Houston food that that was that building. So now we have to find a new one. I don't, I don't quite know what it is yet, you know, but that, that always emerges. So now I will say I, I have a deep affection for American style Chinese food, right? General says chicken is as much, is much more a comfort food to me than like meatloaf or some of the other, you know, some of the other things that people would cite as comfort food. I didn't grow up eating meatloaf. I grew up eating beef with broccoli and General Tso's chicken and egg rolls and dumplings. So I have been a patron of the rice box basically since the time it hit the streets because I, as I, as I said last week, I knew John Peterson from the world of, you know, guys in their 20s who spent too much money on their cars, you know, more than, I mean, damn near like 15 years ago. So I've known John for a really long time. Yeah, I am thrilled. <laughs> Right to to finally get to the answer You're to your so question. So excited! I am thrilled. I am a, I am a rice box fan. I have been a rice box fan uh, longer than I've been writing about restaurants, and to have them back in the neighborhood because there are times when I think to myself, oh, you know, I would like the rice box for dinner tonight, and not that the Heights is such a far drive, but it's far enough, and there's limited interior seating, right. and so and the so I just pass. 
I go, I go, I go somewhere else. I get something else. Now that it's going to be on my side of the bayou, uh, yeah, you're going to, especially in the beginning, you're going to see me there a lot. A lot. I, I know. I was like, Eric is so excited. I like the I, a rice box, but I'm like, I can't really do it justice. I, I just needed to give it to you because I'm like, I like it. If I'm in the area and I'm filling it, I will go to rice box, but I'm not making, you know, special trips. Not for nothing, you know, but. Well, and to John's credit, you know, that menu has evolved, right? When it yes. was a food truck, there were five chicken dishes right, right. right now there's noodle dishes and beef and right it has something of a little bit more to offer oh yeah, yeah. The, the menu mm-hmm. is much broader yeah. it's much more diverse uh, a lot of it's gluten-free actually yeah. which he doesn't really talk about very much it's just but the you know they use cornstarch instead of flour so it's just sort of naturally gluten-free it's all made in walks now we talked about that in the last episode so it's it's a very good version of that style of food and I have such an emotional need for Chinese American food from time to time that, yeah, this is this is definitely going to be a thing for me. And I love that um, they did start out as a food truck, and you just see them become their success continuing. Right, they're just growing and getting a larger audience and larger following. So I'm always excited about that because it's good food. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Topic number four. The sushi hand roll trend is coming to the heights, courtesy of Hendo from. Uh, Didn't see that one coming, huh? Jason and Daya, <laughs> a uh, Houston, a native Houstonian who's been working in LA restaurants for a while. I, I mean, I I'm in on the poke trend. I like the poke burrito, sort of sometimes. I, I think they're gimmicky. I, they're gimmicky, but I, I don't. I, I don't know that. I don't know that I care that much about, like, hand roll versus sliced maki. I don't know. I I guess I'm. I I recognize that this is a thing nationally. It's it's making its way here slowly, just like just like poke did a couple of years ago, where there was no poke and now there's just like an absolute shit ton of poke. Right. Right. So. I think hand roll is the next is the next thing like that that's coming. You know, I'm with you. Um, I would need to talk to someone that's like over the top crazy for sushi. And I love sushi and I get the hand rolls. But the whole I don't get the trend. I I don't because I'm like, I can go places and they're, oh, what you want? Do you know you want a hand roll? Do you? I don't, right, I've always eaten hand rolls. I've always eaten. Yeah, it never I don't occurred get it. to me that I would want to go to a sushi restaurant that only serves Serve hand rolls. That's exactly that's it. So I would, if someone could explain to me why that's like a bigger deal besides it being a gimmick, I'm all here for it. But I just, again, much no shade to them. I want them to be successful. But will I just go and say, oh my gosh, well let me just go because all they have is hand rolls? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, I. Yeah, this is again my side of the bayou. Is this going to get me to cross? I don't know. I mean, maybe there, but maybe there's maybe there's something about hand rolls that lets them be more creative in what they they put than a regular maki roll. Or maybe there's maybe you'll like the form factor, right? You get you get three, you know, you get three hand rolls and you know a beer or something. It's like a light lunch. I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's just going to depend. I need to do more research to really under. That's what I'm saying. I really need to understand why this is. Besides it being like kind of gimmicky. Yeah. Right. Again, because I mean, they're sushi. It's probably really good sushi. No, not um, debating that. But I need someone to help me understand. So I'm going to actually probably turn to Google to see if I can get more information of why I should be super excited about Hando. Yeah. Well, we have some time. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, uh, this is kind of late this year, you know, early next year. It's going to, it's going to be a while, but you know, that was in the news. So I did want to just note that it was happening. And if anyone knows, feel free, you know, like if that's your thing and you're like, you hear this and you're like, they're, they're crazy. They're, you're just dying to tell us. Please DM, you know, Eric at Culture Map or Felice at Swanky Maven. Let us know because we want to know, right? Yeah, if you're a passionate Tamaki yeah. advocate, <laughs> please we want to hear us from know. you. Yeah. All right. 
That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Felice, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about a couple of uh, recent openings, starting with Corky's Barbecue. This is the Memphis-based barbecue joint. They just opened their first Houston location out in your neck of the woods, out in Katy on I-10 in a former Outback Steakhouse. I put uh, a picture of my four-meat plate at Corky's on my Instagram story, and immediately the question started coming in, how was it? And I said, you're just going to have to wait for the podcast when we talk about Corky's Barbecue. So you want to go first or you want me to go first? Well, you know, you went after I did. That's right. And we I'm did not dying, go together. So I'm dying because you know how I felt. So I'm dying to hear how you felt so then we can bring the conversation together. All right. So I think the, the first thing to recognize is that this is not a Texas barbecue joint, Correct. right? Memphis barbecue is different than Texas barbecue. Now they're they're doing some Texas, they're doing some Texas stuff, but the the style of ribs, for example, is different. It's right. saucier, it's sweeter. I got them what they call muddy, mm-hmm. which is which is both sauced and with a dry rub on it. That was the my my server said, "What kind of ribs do you want?" I was like, "What do you recommend?" And he said, "Oh, get the muddy. That's what Corky's is known for." I. I really liked the ribs, right? I thought they were cooked well. They weren't that like fall off the bone mush that you sometimes see. They were sweet. Like I like my ribs kind of sweet and spicy. Like when a Papa Charlie's rib is really banging, when that's like really, really spot on, like that might be my favorite rib. Uh, Grant Pickerton does great ribs. These were not at that. They didn't have that spice, that heat that I, that I like in a perfect rib, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the ribs. Now, it gets a little more problematic after that, right? The, I'm just going to say it, the brisket was not good. Like just flat out, um, it was, it was too lean. It had dried out. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good example of Texas barbecue brisket. Right. Okay. Uh, chicken, juicy, nicely smoked. No problem with the chicken. Uh, I'd order that again. Uh, pulled pork was dry and just kind of covered in the sauce. I, I I think I've been eating too much pulled pork at Truth. That may have right. spoiled me for hard. other people's yeah. uh, pulled pork. But Leonard is like very, uh, the pitmaster of Truth, Leonard Botello, is very uh, aggressive with the way he kind of mixes the meat and the sauce together as they serve it to you, uh, which keeps the pulled pork nice and juicy. Uh, this was not that. Uh, and then I just for funsies, I got uh, a side of the... Uh, Prashik's uh, beef and pork sausage as, as an appetizer so that I could have a five meat plate and, you know, good smoke in that. That's a, that's a very classic Texas uh, barbecue sausage. That was, that was fine. Um, you know, I like, there were things I really liked about Corky's. I like that it's table service. You don't have to, you don't have to stand in line and go through the cafeteria. I like that they had live music. I like that they have a full bar. Not that I, not that I got a cocktail in the middle mm-hmm. of a Saturday afternoon, but it feels, it feels very family friendly to me. Uh, they had, they had live music going. You know, I like the atmosphere. I like the decor. Uh, I, I do, I do feel like the the Texas component of their barbecue needs a lot of work. That's very fair. Let me ask you before I start with mine. Did they know? Did you get outed? Did they know you were no, you? I I don't think that they. Okay. I don't think that they did. I I have had. Phone conversations with the the local franchisee, uh, but there was nothing in my interaction with my server. No, no manager came over to ask sure. me how my meal was okay. going. You know, all all the usual things that usually give away when I've been made, and I didn't tell them I was going. Right. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to start with the positives. All the things that you said, I think it's a beautiful restaurant. Um, I love that there's full service bar, the band, table service, all of that. The chicken, I thought it was good because I usually don't get chicken. So I'm like, let me, you know, right. They have that four meat plate for 30 bucks. Right. That gives you all the meats and is a very generous portion. I didn't come close to. Yeah. So I'm like, let me get this. And I did the whole thing you did with the sausage. Um, Great minds. 
here is, I know, right? Um, but I also got the catfish, too. You didn't get the catfish. Um, the thing that I have a problem with is because it's not Texas barbecue and they're representing Memphis barbecue. So if that was someone's first interaction with them as far as a Memphis barbecue, um, they even do the whole um, barbecue spaghetti and all that, the Memphis thing. I think that they may, depending on their experience, because it seems like they're hit or miss, they would, the day I went, they probably would not want ever, want to ever eat Memphis barbecue. And that's my problem with when places are representing in another place. It was, um, the ribs were epic fail. There was someone else there from the industry. I won't name them. Um, they were there the same night. They were there an hour before me. Um, they showed me pictures of their food because they're like, oh, gosh, yours looks 10 times better. And it did. Um, I wouldn't have even eaten theirs. But it, the ribs were a fail. I just did the dry rub. They were not good. In in what way were they not good? Um, they were – they were there's a dry rub. They were dry. It was – they just didn't taste – I've had the dry rub ribs before. And my problem with the Corky's here um, is the same that I had when I first had Corky's in Arkansas. I, I'm like, it doesn't really represent to me, I guess, because I've been to Memphis and I've had dry rub. That's not my favorite, but I'm like, oh, it's good. Like, if this is what this is, it's good, right, for Memphis dry rub ribs. Um, they just weren't executed very well, right? There was highs and lows because then the brisket dry off. I didn't even want any more of that. The sausage was good. The chicken was good. If I were to go back, I would get the catfish. The catfish was, even the sides were not, no, they were wrong. Oh, there's one other thing I, I should mention is I, they have a bottle of their barbecue sauce on the table. Okay. I gave that a little squirt. Did it remind you of apple pie filling? Because I, I, it was like very sweet, very, I, I got like cinnamon- Apple pie spice. It was so sweet, Eric, because, you know, I'm not very saucy. So I'm like, if I have to use your sauce, there's something wrong. But I always taste it. I taste it in my face. I'm like, oh, my. It tastes like a dessert. Yeah, very it, sweet. It tastes like a dessert. So I'm like, I'm not putting this on anything. So I, I was done with that. Yeah. So the question is, because you said you had more highs and lows. Would you make the drive and go back? No. I mean, probably it. You know, it's a significant drive for me. And with road construction on Saturday and freeways and exits and all that, I, to get from Montrose to I-10, I, I took surface streets and I happened to drive past Truth Barbecue on my way to I-10. And I, I thought to myself, like, why am I driving past Truth Barbecue? Like, if I'm having barbecue for lunch, why would I ever drive past Truth Barbecue to go to Corky's? But I, you know, I have an obligation, sure, a professional obligation to try to experience Corky. So I, but, but would I do that again? Right. No. But they, they have a, apparently they have their eyes on the location on Navigation Boulevard. You know, when it's closer to me, I don't, I, yeah, I, it's just, um, I'm not sure that it's for me, but like I said, in Katie, very family friendly, pretty reasonable in terms of its prices for what you get. Uh, I can see it being successful. I can too. I can too because there's a lot of chains that I'm. I'm like, are you serious? And they're they, they're packed out. But I think that's because people don't want to drive. That's a whole nother show, a whole nother day. So I think they will be successful with all the things that they offer. the The atmosphere, the family friendly, like you said, the band, all of that. And there are things that are good on the menu. All right. Well, let's talk about a meal that we enjoyed more. <laughs> we went to Pepper Twins, their new location in City Center. Uh, whereas we we ducked into uh, Corky's anonymously. We were not anonymous at Pepper Twins. It was a, a media event. We were sitting with uh, the owner of Pepper Twins at the table who who did all the ordering. So, so I guess take the quality of our meal with, with a grain of salt. But, um, 
we we really like just about everything we ate at Pepper Twins. Right. And I will say, let me add this. Even though that was a, the owner was there, she ordered for us. We're both Pepper Twin fans anyway, though. Like, you go to the Pepper Twins um, off West, what's that, West Great Montrose. You go to that one. Um, I go to that one. I go to the one in Katy. So, I like Pepper Twins anyway. So, that experience, um, that location's a little bit different. She ordered things that I've never tasted before. Um, I thought it was a very good experience. And then their specialties at that location are a little different than the other. Each location has their own um, signature dishes that you won't find at the other locations, which gives you reason to have to go to these particular different locations. Right. And and uh, I'll talk about a couple of favorite dishes in just a second. But first, I it's located next to Ra in what used to be the Grub Burger space. So it's kind of at the, I guess that's the south end of city center it's a little bit hidden it's it's up it's up from hop dotty right yeah it's very that hidden. helps anyone that's it's a little bit hidden but they had a good crowd working on a friday right. night so which some people like that though they like the little hidden because once we got in there it wasn't like we were in city center anymore did you feel like that i'm like yeah no it felt <laughs> like it, we were somewhere else yeah <laughs> outside of houston which um, was great yeah i mean favorites of mine um the the pork and shrimp dumplings were very good the uh, the the signature the pepper twins chicken, I really enjoyed that. The sticky rice on top of the pork ribs, you know, even the just the Szechuan marinated cucumbers. You oh, know, those were like a hit. Spicy, crispy, very fresh tasting, very vibrant. Really enjoyed that. I know you like the lamb dish. Yes, it was the um, lamb leg griddle. Oh, it was so good, and I love the spice. Where the chicken, we love the chicken, and it was so spicy. Like, so if someone's not into spicy, I would um, maybe ask for a medium spice dish or ask them if they can do medium spice. But it's amazing. And the lamb, you know, the flavor of the lamb next to all that spice, ugh, was amazing. And I love the dumplings, too. Yeah. Those so, dumplings. and I, I will say we, we, uh, we went out for a drink afterwards and we, Milano Bar, underrated. It's so underrated. Really good whiskey selection. Really, I mean, quality cocktails. I mean, I drank, <laughs> I drank Michter's Ten Bourbon for twenty five bucks, and I I won't say where, but I went to a restaurant the very next day that had the same pour at fifty dollars. Oh wow! So I feel like I got a deal. Yeah, the bar, and you know, I've always really liked the bar, but like this was like a Friday night after after we went to dinner. It had a nice crowd. Um, the bartenders are very knowledgeable. Far as you can order something off the menu, or they can kind of create something based on what you tell them you like. Which, you know, that's what I call a bartender, right? Not someone just serving drinks. So it's very underrated. I, it's a good night. Yeah, and then I mean, we're running, we're running way long. But did you have one favorite bite from Chef Fest? I did. It would have been um, the Korean beef. I mean, sorry, the Korean pork from Patrick. Yeah, from Fiji's Barbecue. Fiji's, yeah, it was delicious. Yeah, and then I have to say, I was uh, I was very impressed with uh, Chef Sky Hans's uh, tart, like little like pastry tart mm-hmm. with marinated and pickled vegetables on it. I just um, not someone I was personally familiar with, but someone who's uh, I think. I talked to her for a minute. She's kind of stepping up in terms of doing more pop-ups and becoming more of a presence on the food scene. So someone to watch. I always yeah. like that when I feel like yeah. I learned something. At these yeah, times. I thought it was good. It just was, you know, that poor, that whole Korean aspect kind of with the little spice. Oh, yeah, with the funk. The, it, yeah. It was really good. Patrick was very proud of himself. Yeah, um, and he should be. And if, not saying for sure, but they did a lot of pork, maybe appear, it may be on the menu this week. In form of a sandwich. Or yeah, something. might show up as a special at Fiji's <laughs> Barbecue. So check that out. All right. Felice, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. I'll see you soon. And I will be right back with Jason Gould and Alex Padilla. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by chefs Alex Padilla and Jason Gould from the original Ninfas on Navigation, seem to be. The original Ninfas in Uptown. 
Gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Alex, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. Happy. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on your show. And Jason, welcome. Thank you very much. I don't think people are going to have too much difficulty no, there's, there's differentiating a difference. who's talking when. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, have, I feel like we have a lot to discuss, but let's... I want to kind of start with this because you both have these kind of crazy fine dining pedigrees and now you're working uh, at a Tex-Mex restaurant, which does not have that kind of legacy. Uh, Alex, why don't we start with you? Can you just talk a little bit about uh, your career in California and then how you came back to Houston to become the chef at Nina's? Um, uh, thank you. Uh, well, I went to school here in Houston, uh, Wayfield and Bamo, uh right off 1960 area, 45 North. And at that time, I was, you know, 16, 17, and my mom used to work for Nymphas, the original Nymphas. So as soon as I turned 18, I left uh, Houston, and I ended up in New Jersey, New York, and finally my last stop was San Francisco, where uh, I met Nancy Oaks, one of the best uh, females chef uh, back in the West Coast. Yeah, multiple James Beard Award winner. Multiple. I was, uh, at that time I was there and uh, we wrote a book together, to Boulevard book. Uh, my name is all over. I create a lot of stuff, a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, while working in a lot of events in, in, in Germany, we did a couple events with uh, Thomas Keller and all those big names on the, you know, West Coast. I picked a lot of that and uh, I put that under my belt. Uh, it's California, uh, European, basically much influence right. on my cuisine. French inspired, French very inspired, ingredient driven. French ingredients, fresh ingredients. Um, and, you know, I'm using all that uh, experience on Nymphas already. Uh, as you can see, I uh, changed all the ingredients for best ingredients. I do not eat lard, and that was one of the first things I took off the menu, and I started using olive oils, kosher salt, and... Fresh even in, ingredients. Even in the refried beans? Even in the refried beans. I'm sorry to say that, but not even the tortillas got lard. It's got a vegetable uh, shorty on it. And then People Jason, love it. Right. Then Jason, how about you? Because I think, I think a lot of people remember that you were working at, at Gravitas. Uh, how did you... Yeah, how did you, you kind of come to Gravitas? Or, or? So I, I was... Uh, Fortunate and unfortunate, I was in Australia, did all my apprenticeship, all my training in Australia. And uh, the, at the time, the best thing a chef could do in Australia was go to London, get experience in London, um, which seems a little strange to say because most of the time English food is considered to be lowbrow cuisine. But of course, this was the time of Marco Pierre White, who most people don't seem to know, but he was the one that taught Gordon Ramsay. So he was the first sort of celebrity chef. So I ended up getting a job at his restaurant called the Mirabelle, did that for a couple of years, and then um, was working around Europe, worked in Austria for um, about a year, kept traveling and got, being based in London, I got travel bugs. So I just kept going and going and going. My plan was to come here or come to the United States and um, I arrived in New York in about beginning of August in 2001. And so I had just handed out my resume to different places when 9-11 happened. So actually I, I was very fortunate in the fact that I moved out of downtown Manhattan on September 10th and moved out to Queens to a place where I was going to live and try and work. And of course, as everybody says, you can't live in New York and not work. It's far too expensive. So um, – I had an aunt in Houston, traveled down to Houston and landed a job with, uh, at Aries. And so Scott and I ran Aries for a couple of years, his restaurant, but we worked together as a team and put out menus and things like that, which was really cool at the time. It was kind of, at its time, the only real chef-driven restaurant around. There was a couple of others, but he was bringing in California-style cuisine and that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, that was the one at Montrose and Richmond, right? That, yeah. that was on that short list of... The best restaurants in Houston at the time. At the time, yeah. It had already got three stars, all that sort of stuff, uh, local. And so, um, but we kind of saw the writing on the wall that fine dining, as secular as it is, was dying out. And so we decided to do Gravitas together and um, put everything into Gravitas. Ran it, operated it for five years, and then um, unfortunately had a falling out. And I was the one that lost out on everything. And uh, at that time, Cyclone and Ayers has look, was looking to sort of diversify. And so I joined Cyclone and Ayers and 
was with them for eight years and with the hope of always having something different. Like we weren't just going to do cycling and arts. We're going to do different concepts. I had different concepts up my sleeve. He wanted to invest in properties and business. So that was on the cards and just never eventuated. And so when they sold all their Houston locations and only had the Austin location, I was driving back and forth and I'm like, no, this is, I'm not doing this all the time. Um, far too much. So, uh, we parted ways and my wife, Rebecca actually worked for Jonathan back, uh, when he was at tasting room. So we, we had a relationship and knowing that he was with the Greater Houston Restaurant Association, I reached out and said, Hey, do you know anybody looking? Because I knew that getting a, a gig was going to be a little bit challenging. And uh, he said, Hey, we're looking to expand. We've got a couple of opportunities. Why don't you join the team? And so that's how it kind of eventuated. I, I think one of the things about Ninfa's that I find so interesting is it's a restaurant that opened in the early seventies. It is a bona fide Houston institution it is very famous for having been the place where fajitas, like tacos are carbone, fajitas kind of originated and spread around the world. How do you balance the, the tradition, the memories, the expectations that people have when they go to eat there with, you know, this fine dining background and, and your pedigree for wanting to, to innovate and, and keep things interesting? Yeah, Alex. Yeah, start oh, with you. Wow. You're the one who's been doing it for ten years. Yeah. First of all, it's a, it's an iconic place. You're right. It's a lot of history behind uh, uh, what Mama Ninfa's created back in the '70s. To me, it's a it's a great honor. And on top of that, you know, my mom used to work for Ninfa, so I I got a double. Like I have to keep it good for them. Um, Nymphas, uh, I know people see it just like another Tex-Mex restaurant, but it's not. It's, it, it's different when you got a real chef and you got kitchen managers. And, and that's most of the cases in a lot of the restaurants in, in Houston. They don't have a real chef. They had what they call kitchen managers. It's people that they've been there forever and they decide just right, to put right. it Right, they just execute the recipes, right? They're, they not, get, exactly. they're not innovating. They don't create recipes. They don't, you know, they don't, uh, um, they don't have the vision. They've never been in fine dinings or had the experience to travel uh, and learn other, you know, countries like Europe or even here in the United States, other cities like the San Francisco, New York, right. Chicago. They're, they're good cooks. They're not chefs. They're really it's good a, cooks. You know, I'm not saying they're not really good cooks. They, right. they, they are really good cooks, but what I mean is they don't have the experience, you know, to see the other uh, level of uh, high-end cuisines. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is, so what do you, but you, you do have those experiences. So what are you doing at Ninfa's to, to fuel that creative side, to keep yourself invested intellectually in the work that you do every day? First of all, I invest a lot of times in the beginning, uh, training these people, putting them on, you know, uh, getting um, certified by the city and realize that the team's got a way to do it, not just, uh, you know, put everything in the saute pan, everything has the time and, and the right seasonings and uh, I mean use the fresh ingredients instead of open cans and make everything from the scratch, no short uh, no shortcuts. And just do it right and do it you consistency. know once consistency. Sure. It's it's probably the the biggest thing. Like obviously Alex is still gonna be the chef of Nymphas. I'm not replacing him. I'm going to execute what his menu is at a new location. I think that the the biggest thing we both bring to the table is being able to f being able to fine tune it enough so that it is consistent no matter when you come in the door because whether it's fine dining you pick up on all those little details and you're putting micro garnishes on things or whether you're cooking 50 pounds of rice it has to be the same every single time and i think that that is where we kind of come in it's like we're able to pay attention to those details as well as running the kitchen well i mean ninfa's is there are very few restaurants that are is famous or, you know, when, when I have family come in from out of town and they want, inevitably, they want Tex-Mex and barbecue, I mean, Ninfa's is on that list of places to go. That's right? right. And it needs to be the same when they came in the last time as they come in this time. Now, the one thing that, they have, that you have that's different is nostalgia, right? You can't replace nostalgia. You can't replicate nostalgia. You have it because you, you've been there with family and things like that. Right. I mean, for me, you know, it's, it's going there in the 90s with my father and seeing Mama Ninfa sitting at a table next to the hostess stand greeting yeah. people. Yeah. And, and I, I, 
I know a lot of people feel that way, I, right? That they have those memories. So do you ever get do you ever get pushback from diners who are like you've changed it too much? Actually, um, the only feedbacks we get uh, is like, uh, because, you know, about a year ago, we switched the uh, wood-burning ovens and wood-burning grill. And some people, uh, they were used to the gas grill. And as a wall, now we're doing the uh, real tacos al carbon because tacos al carbon really means cooking charcoal. That's what it really means. And the meaning, I, I didn't say that in, in, a, in a bad way, it's just a, Made people understand what's the difference between wood and 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 gas grill. Right now they taste a little bit like smoke, which I think the the meat has a little bit of a smoky aroma, which I think people would like. Which you, we we had in Texas, we're in the right town for those flavors. You know yeah. that. Well, good. I mean, you guys are on a you guys are on a really incredible run in terms of the acclaim coming to the restaurant. I mean, you were just featured in an Andrews Emerge and show, and even more importantly, you just got your first ever. James Beard Award semifinalist nomination for Outstanding Restaurant, which is a nation a, a national award. So there's, you know, 25 nominees nationwide, and, and you're the only one uh, from Houston. What did you did you know that was coming? I mean, did you have any expectation that that was coming? Well, I, uh, you know, after I saw everything in Boulevard, you know, I I, I was expecting. Uh, well, I know that it's mostly high end. Uh, restaurants that get picked by by this grand uh, prize, but uh, when I was telling my mom about this, she after forty five years as an emphasis is nominated, and she she was crying, she was so happy. Uh, it's like uh, Jesse was telling, uh, it's that nostalgia that people had, you know, those great uh, momentos that will never leave your mind. I still have people say, hey, I remember Mama Ninfas when she used to roll a tortilla and hand it to me right you know, in front of the restaurant. And it's, I mean, I saw that, but I never pay attention back then because I was just 16, 15 years old, you know. But now it's, it, it's like a, I feel like I'm cleaning a, a piece of jewel. The Mama Ninfas didn't have the time to do it. So I have to care with that. Yeah, I mean, Jason, this is like a really exciting time to be joining the company. I mean, not just the uptown, the uptown location in Boulevard Place, but I mean, you guys are working on a, a fast casual concept too. Yep. Yeah, we have. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the company. Um, yeah, tacos and tortas. Um, Alex is in the stage of developing out the menu, and we're finalizing a couple of leases on locations and things like that. So, yeah, for a company that has been as legacy has been around for a long time now, it's it's interesting to see the growth and be a part of it, but. Yeah, to walk in and, I mean, I've only been with the company for a month and all of a sudden I was actually off the last week and I got this text message. Do you hear the news? I'm like, no, I'm on holidays. Like, oh, yeah, we just got nominated for James Beard. I was like, wow, that's, I mean, to even be nominated is such a yeah, I think, huge And, and, and Alex makes a really good point. I mean, the, the restaurants that are usually nominated and, and that win that award every year are like fine dining, you know, they tasting are, the, menu, yeah. whatever, whatever. You know, they're not... They're not open for lunch and dinner seven days a week, you know, 800 covers on a Friday. But I think one of the things that restaurants are seeing a resurgence in is longevity because somebody was talking about something the other day and it's like, I've been here for 17 years. I've witnessed so many openings and closings of restaurants. It just goes to show how challenging it is to stay open. And when you've been open for this long, it's such a testament to, to what it is. And I think... Yes, it's not fine dining, but you've been able to keep up with everything and still stay stay relevant. It's it's a huge thing. I mean, there's not many restaurants that can say that. There's fortunately a few in Houston, but nationwide, there's not many restaurants that can do that. And I think the focus is kind of, you know, as a foodie, I hate using that word, but as a foodie, you're kind of you're not just looking for something that's new. You're always looking for something that's a little bit retro or a little bit that's that's been around and and standard withstood the test of time to to still be relevant and i think that's what the award is is sort of saying it's not that they're saying you're the best restaurant it's saying you're a significant restaurant because you have been open for so long you've you created a dish that is now international i mean how many restaurants can say that they've got a dish that is now international you know that's a huge thing you must be talking about the fajita burger huh? <laughs> <laughs> not quite international not quite that, okay i mean but it will be <laughs> uh yeah, Alex, tell us a little about 
Mama Ninfa's taco, tacos y tortas, the, the fast casual concept you guys are working on. Well, um, if you remember, because I know you remember, uh, Ninfa's used to sell burritos and, and uh, all that kind of stuff, a lot of fried stuff that I remove out of the menu. I mean, my my issue is I, and I I know I've said this to you privately. I I go to Ninfas and I basically want chips and queso followed by fajitas with a frozen margarita. Like I know there's other stuff on the menu, but if you some of that stuff, if you took it off, like I would never know because I because I just I come there with a plan. Well, that is where I'm going. I I was reserving those for this kind of concept. Now it's the time to bring in the pack with. Uh, uh, with a little bit of twist. Uh, the margaritas will be there too. Ex- margaritas going to be there. Chili con queso is still there. Fajitas is going to be there. But tacos and tortas, uh, Mama Ninfa's tacos and tortas, I think is a, it's a great concept for those uh, Wharton town area. They're always in a hurry to you know grab lunch. We're going to have like a grab-and-go tortas and tacos. I don't want to call burritos, but I want to call wraps. But it's the same thing. Um, I want... I, Try to stay away uh, with rice and beans and the burritos, but it's going to be plenty meat and there's still rice and beans on the side if you want them. But I don't want to so use a, that as a, a filler. Chi- so not to, not to, not a chipotle, not a chipotle burrito. No, 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 no. no. This is Mama Ninfas behind Mama Ninfas uh, memories. Uh, with and my then, touch. And then Jason, how's the how's the uptown location looking? I, I'm. How about June? What's the, optimistically what's the, before June? Okay. We're, we're paying – fortunately, it's just a renovation. So a lot of the plumbing, electrical, the stuff that – you know, grease trap, all that sort of stuff that usually takes a long period of time to get approved and get set is already there. So it's just renovations. However, the um, the attention to details there, like the amount of tile they're putting in that place, it's uh, it's significant. So it's going to take a little bit of time. But we're uh, we're still optimistic that by May we should be opening the doors. So Yeah, I, I mean – the one thing I remember about the Pesca space is that the kitchen was huge. It is a large space. It We've kind of turned it a little bit. So where they had their expo going into the kitchen, into the service station, we're having that facing the dining room. So now you have a linear line going to the dining room. And, you know, I mean, Nymph has worked out of a tiny kitchen for many, many years. They fortunately had a renovation a couple of years ago that increased the space. Um but my challenge is to work work out how to get all the food that is on the Nymphas menu out of that one line. We've added a wood-burning grill and a wood-burning oven to get those flavors in there. But, yeah, it's it's a big kitchen, but it, it's still going to be a challenge. It's one of those things that's almost too much space. And then, you know, again, when I was when I was growing up in Houston in the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of Nymphas locations. And then, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, most of them are gone now. Do you do you hear from people who are like, ooh, I don't know, like people who don't understand that it's it's a new ownership group and a new chef that that there's a few, yeah, we've had to kind of set it straight and say they were franchisees. This is the first time that the original Nymphas has ever done a second location, so that's a it's a big deal, you know, it's it's a lot. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of there's a yeah. lot of expectations coming. Yeah. This. Oh yeah, no, there and is. Most of the people right now, it's an Nymphas living around this area, so they really, really excited about the new the new place. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I mean, you know, your your new location is going to be roughly a mile from the Culture Map office, so this is you're going to be our happy hour spot. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm excited about it. The, the challenge right now is finding the sign big enough because we're changing the name from Nymphas to the James Beard Award nominated original Nymphas on navigation and then the James Beard Award <laughs> associated restaurant. Of, <laughs> so I was trying to fit all that on a billboard. That's a yeah, challenge. it's a really big sign. <laughs> and it's a very long URL for a website. So you may want to just think about we that. We haven't thought of acronyms or anything. We're yeah. Break it all down. So. Um, Alex, and then I, I did want to shift uh, – I did want to shift perspectives just a little bit. Uh, you were you are the you were the winner of a the choose cooking competition uh, last year. Last year, uh, just what was that experience like? I mean, what what was your winning dish? My winning dish uh, was uh, a Texas toast. Actually, there was uh, I used ribeye, and uh, I make like a salad with asparagus and citrus vinaigrette. Uh, 
they only give you 20 minutes and those 20 minutes on tv they they fly yeah, by like, like really quick yeah. and um i cook a fish on on my father's memory and i cook one of those red snappers drunken red snapper you know my father uh I feel weird to say, but he he was having uh, problems when he was young with alcohol, but he loved fishing, and and the best thing for him was the whole fish, grill whole fish, and you know a beer or scores or whatever, um, and that stick to me, and I, I I cooked that for him actually the drunk uh, red snapper. So do you fish now? I do, but I don't drink like my father. <laughs> 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 It's something wrong with me. I don't drink. <laughs> I don't smoke neither. So. You're, so you're, you're the only chef in town, I think, that doesn't drink. Well, you know what? It's not the first uh, time they say, well, if you're a chef, why well, you don't have a lot of tattoos on you? I say, I used to live in San Francisco. It's a hippie town. I love San Francisco. I love tattoos. Don't get me wrong, but my family is really hard on that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's no. It's about I, family thing. Of what they're handing out awards oh, now yes. for chefs without tattoos. You see that <laughs> came out? Yeah. Not many of us around. Uh, do you, uh, you want to do more TV? Is that something you aspire to? Uh, sure, sure, sure. I, uh, I think TV it's a, it's a great. Uh, it's like the radio. I mean, it's 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 a great. Uh, how can I? Uh, it's a it's a great way that people know who's behind. You know the that Alex Padilla. Who is Alex Padilla? Is you can express yourself. You can be yourself. You can sneeze. You can cough. You can do whatever you want, and, <laughs> and you know, it's still make it fun. Um, Going back to New York, uh, it's a great city. I had a lot of good time. Uh, I met all those guys that I always wanted to meet, like uh, Jay, uh, those uh, chefs. You know, they're, they're, for me, they were like a big celebrity guys. I used to watch uh, the American Iron Chef, and Simon was there. You know, it's like one of the guys I always wanted to meet. It's a great guy. So, uh, it, it, it's a phenomenal, like a human being. It's, it's incredible. And then, Jason, I know uh, when Ryan LeShane was on the show recently, he said... You guys have talked about a, a Gravitas uh, revival dinner. You- yeah, that's the plan. We're going to set a date. But, uh, yeah, that is the plan. I mean, I, I give him a hard time because when he did all these press releases, it was all about Catalan, uh, uh, working with Chris and working with Brian. I'm like, what about me? He didn't give me any love whatsoever. So now he's going to pay me back by doing a, a Gravitas throwback menu. So I had to get up in the attic and find a few of the menus the other day. But, uh, yeah, we're working on it. All right. So. Well, gentlemen, that, that brings me to the end of my questions. I, I always like to wrap these uh, – interviews up with something i call the lightning round uh five easy questions five short answers just say the first thing that comes to mind that could be dangerous jason let me start with you what's your favorite cookbook oh <laughs> yeah um larue's gastronomy alex how about you uh, i love everything <laughs> you're asking the wrong i mean i'm, I'm pretty what's guy. the last cookbook you what's the last cookbook you read or bought uh bouchon very nice. Uh, Alex, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, Eagles. Jason? Australian guy called Jimmy Barnes. <laughs> Most people wouldn't have heard of him. I was kind of hoping you were going to say Men at Work. To be no, never seen them in concert. I get enough with just hearing the song. <laughs> uh, Jason, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Uh, McDonald's cheeseburger. <laughs> Alex? It's the cheese. There's a there's no, the the meat gooey. to cheese ratio. It's just there's something about it. I want to keep it local. Whataburger. <laughs> uh, Alex, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Uh, Houston. No, no. It's got to be a – who's your, your favorite <laughs> athlete, your favorite uh, athlete from a Houston sports team? Athlete. Um, I will say uh, – well, I like the whole team, you know, the, the Houston Astros, but uh, I can say Altuve. Yeah. Jason, how about you? I'll stay with the Astros and say Bijou. <laughs> and then, finally, Jason, what is your go-to pizza order? Am I allowed to say this on air? Yeah. Hawaiian. You're not, <laughs> you're not the first. That's the go-to. I mean, otherwise, you, it's like if I just have to pick it out, it's like I can get it for the kids. I can get it for me. It's easy. It's simple. I don't have to worry about it. Alex, how about you? Margarita. <laughs> <laughs> uh Gentlemen, give us the website and the social media and all that for Ninfas. There's a couple. There's uh, Ninfas.com and then there's Legacy Restaurants are the two. Awesome. Great. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. It's a great honor. You can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. 
Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.